Um, welcome back to Using My Degree. I'm your host, Ollie, and this week's special guest is... Go ahead, man. Oh, hi there. I'm, uh, I'm Daniel Corpus. I'm a pastry chef and chocolatier uh, based in New York City. Uh, most recently seen on Netflix's School of Chocolate. That's usually my uh, introductory in my emails, so that's how I'll introduce myself now. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I guess the first question I could start with is, how does it feel to be the most famous person to graduate from CIA in the past five years? Uh, one, I, I, I don't know who's saying that, but I guess um, it's, it is interesting, I think. So like clearly, as I brought up, I was on, recently on Netflix's School of Chocolate, um, and I graduated at, from CIA in 2019 with my bachelor's in business admin, uh, and then 2018 with my baking and pastry degree. And it's funny because I think that kind of like notion or idea really came like, you know, I noticed it more was when I last did my event with the CIA in May, which was the leadership boards. And, you know, clearly they get, they have guest chefs and, you know, their honorees, honorees this year were like Chef Junsik and Mini Chohan and so on. And as your Sorry about the truck passing by. I live in That's hell. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you saying? There we go. Um, yeah, like when I was at that event, I'm seeing everyone's kind of like graduation date, which is like 80s, 90s, uh, maybe even 2000s, like Mini Chohan graduated 2000. And then you have this one person on the board, on like in the event that has 19 as their graduation year. And that was myself. And uh you know, it's, it's, again, I just say interesting. Um, but I think whenever I go to CIA or even at that event, a lot of students ask me the one question was, how did you do it? And I tell them that one, you just gotta be crazy. And when I was in CIA, when I was a student, I was crazy. I was the first person that made a seven foot tall chocolate showpiece for my capstone project. But yeah, that was pretty cool. I think all I remember when I brought it into the baking wing, uh, Chef Coppage and Dean Heyman were in the hall room and they were like, they had the face of like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I did this in my, you know, in my dorm room. Um, but yeah, I think I also tell students when they ask me that question is, unfortunately, my kind of experience over the past few years is slightly an anomaly. Um, you know, when I tell people how I got into what I do, it's primarily that, you know, pre-pandemic, I worked in fine dining restaurants. I was working at Manhattan. You know, it was a place that I was about to, that I could see the, that I was going to grow in, uh, stay for a year plus. But when pandemic hit, like many people in the food industry, I lost my job. And I guess, unlike a few people in the food industry, I just stuck with it. Because don't get me wrong, I, have, I know a few people who have left the industry. They're nurses, they're in tech, they work for the city more stable and let's be honest higher wage jobs at this point um but yeah i think i just so happened to stay in it and the opportunity to be on the show just kind of like you know happened because i was doing so much chocolate work you know for just for no reason that um that yeah that i tell people that the show honestly was super life-changing um and i think that that just also speaks to how I was on the show, so, yeah. Hell yeah. By the way, it's really easy to tell that you're a CIA student from watching the show because of the way you described your first dessert. What did I no say? I'll, 
I'll be honest, I, I only watched the show maybe one and like one time fully. So I have not watched it again since. I was just going to say that no one else calls it crispy base except for CIA students. Oh my God. Yeah. Crispy base. <laughs> Chef Rosamondo, I think, was the first person that said crispy base. And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got that. I got that from Chef Carol. Um, mm. I guess I should start with I'm actually really grateful that you even answered that DM I sent you. I didn't expect this to happen. Yeah, I think so. Again, like we were just talking about it before. Clearly, I remember one, I remember your profile picture because it was just very distinct. So, I do remember you ordering, you know, during pandemic, you said the two eggs for Easter. And that wasn't even this past Easter, that was Easter 2021. Yep. So that was before the show even came out. So again, I, I'd like to say that anyone who's followed or tried my stuff even before the show, I'm even more grateful because you guys kind of, uh, you know, kept kept the dream going despite, you know, you know, me selling meager five eggs or whatever it was back in the day was just was amazing for me. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you recently also had uh, Jesse yeah. on the podcast. He, I actually met him on a whim. Um what was it? I think maybe March or February. I went to a free demo in Brooklyn uh, with Chef Luis Amato, and he just so happened to be there. And I think he was like, "Oh my gosh, you're from you're from the school of chocolate." And I was like, "Yeah," which is usually how that goes. Um, but yeah, I was able to stay for the whole demo, and Jesse's swung by and bought a lot of stuff at this point. And I'm, you know, I've tried his chocolates, and they're very like bold flavors, which I very much appreciate. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, he was um, telling me about. Um, meeting you. He's a big fan of your stuff, and so am I. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, hmm. I should have wrote questions down. That's okay. Uh, I, I also know it's like nine o'clock, and I don't want to like keep you too long. To no, by all means, like, you know, whatever will enhance your show. I'm literally just sitting on the couch. I'm like, <laughs> This is like I just came back from. Uh, so I have a shop, uh, as you as you may know, as as you follow me. Open that up right now. It's like pretty slow because it's summer. It's not really chocolate season. Yeah. Uh, nor is there real any, nor are there any real gift giving holidays. So, right now I'm just trying to do a tasting later this month. There's also like Ubi Fest, which is something that is happening next week. Um. So I'm still prepping and still still keeping myself busy, but because you know my work life is during the day my like life life is now afterwards and this is by all means like this is a way or an outlet for me to just relax as well oh yeah well i'm really thankful that you're doing this yeah my mom says she admires your work ethic for actually answering a dm on a sunday no i <laughs> i'll tell you now like instagram i think this is also one of those fascinating things that people that i tell students or tell people who are you know starting in the industry or anyone in general instagram or social media i know how like we are honestly glued to it let's be honest i can find myself being on tiktok for an hour an hour plus just scrolling and you know when we think about finding inspiration we can often find that on instagram or somebody's post whatever but instagram when you think of it as a business now right as if you are building a brand if you're building a business mm -hmm. it is one of the most useful tools out there so even before uh the show and even before the audition even before pandemic i was already slightly curating my instagram 
I think it's come to a point where, um, you know, I, I considered my main Instagram as my main business one also, but this was before I transitioned it to an actual business one. And I say that because like, I, I look at a lot of uh, people I follow from, you know, culinary school, from the industry and so on. Um, they usually often have two accounts. One is their personal, one is their baking or cooking, food, whatever account. But it's hard because if you, you know, if you have, let's say, 2,000 followers on your main one, let's say, mm-hmm. statistically only about 20% of your actual following will follow you to your food, baking, cooking, or whatever account. So if you often see that disparity between somebody's you know, personal and their secondary account, that's why. So when you look at, when I started looking at kind of like curating my Instagram, I made sure that one, my main Instagram was, you know, one, it's a commitment, let's be honest. Um, If you are the one to really like share your real personal life, you and your friends, you know, it is prudent to have that secondary account because you don't want necessarily everyone seeing your personal life. But Mm -hmm. I think my Instagram never was like that, if you will. It was always food or, you know, slightly, you know, you'd see some friends, you'd see family in there, but never too uh, scandalous or out there posts, let's say it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has unfortunately, that's continued to, 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 to how I run my Instagram now, where analytics and understanding how Instagram or social media works uh, is now truly a benefit. Uh, when it comes to building a brand, building a business, especially if you're building a home business, whether it be food or anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, similarly, you just talked about like, you know, when you placed the order, it was through Instagram, right? Back in 2021. Uh, And you talk about, you know, just DMs, right? How I answered it on a random day. And that is how the Netflix casting company found me uh, at all, was through Instagram. So I think going forward instagram is let's be honest a little bit more on the professional end and we we as professionals or creatives have to look at it like that because it can spur up business or spur up opportunities whereas juxtaposed to that tiktok i think is is yes there are people that you know make a living off of it monetize videos and such but i think it's still much more casual now and i'll be honest i have not yet figured out how TikTok works. Same. I put some, I yeah, like I, I'll be honest, like I put a couple videos up here and there. I'll have a video do super well, but then I'll have videos that do terrible. So it's like TikTok is a, is a different animal. But I think if you're building a brand, Instagram is still relevant. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. That that's a good way to you know to think about like building that brand, building that um, community and such. Yeah, of course. That's actually really insightful. I'm definitely keep that in mind for the future. Um, Cause I currently also have two separate accounts on business, one personal and mm-hmm. yeah, you definitely see the difference. Um, hmm. Oh, my sister has just sent me a text uh, and she's like, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Um, her question is, have you always worked um, in three dimensions when you're working with chocolate or was the transition something newer i don't know how to mm. word that correctly yeah no 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 i think i think i understand the question um funny enough uh my very very first chocolate show piece was back in or i think 2013 mm-hmm. and that was you know i think it was like march or april whatever and the reason why i know that is because in 2013 i attended my very first cake show and one of the uh chefs that was doing a demo was chef susan Nodder. 
So if anyone used, if anyone's watched any of the Halloween Wars or Cupcake Wars back in the day, Susan Nodder is this kind of like very big individual that does sugar work, uh, chocolate work, and cakes and sugar, let's be honest. And she teaches at the Lancaster School of Chocolate, I think, or School of Pastry, whichever one now. Uh, and she also just recently launched her own brand. So that's just a quick thing about her. But she did a demo. It was free. This was me at like, oh, how old was I? I was freshman year high school. So that's what, 13, 14 year old me. I went in. She did, you know, this free demo. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So I went back. I bought like the fake chocolate at Stop and Shop or whatever grocery store, pretended to temper, because let's be honest, you don't need to temper any of those chocolates. <laughs> and I made this like really jankly looking showpiece. And there's still a picture on my Facebook, which is funny enough. But yeah, no, that is where my very first showpiece was. Fast forward to kind of, uh, and I did showpieces all throughout the next few years um, in high school. Fast forward to senior year of CIA. I think Chef Durfee, who is no longer part of the CIA, but he was the chef out in Greystone when I did that advanced concentration. He really, he, you know, he he's the former uh, executive pastry chef of the French Laundry. He actually helped open up the restaurant with Thomas Keller, which is insane to think about. Uh, he also completed uh, competed at the Coupe de Monde, which is this like real big pastry uh, international um, competition held in Lyon, France every two years. He went in 2013. Uh, I don't think they placed, but he did chocolate and doing the concentration, learning from him. He, I think, really pushed that idea of be crazy, work with chocolate. That again, fast forward to the next semester when I was like, let's make another showpiece for senior capstone. I was like, I'm going to make something that no one else has ever done. Let's make a seven foot tall showpiece. And I think if you look at the progression alone, that alone, you see a lot of very nature-esque, very classical, not super refined skills. And then a year later, or at least half a year later, when I was stuck at home while everyone was also quarantining, I had about 75 pounds of chocolate from school uh, that I just ordered for myself as the senior pastry lead. Uh, luckily, it was like gift in kind, so it was technically free. So it wasn't really stealing, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but I had all that chocolate, so I was like, all right, let's make bonbons, but I was all, let's also make some showpieces. And it was in that time that I think I really started to get my hands more in chocolate, figuring out, figuring out how it worked, figuring out the style. Um, and that's, I think, where you really see the transition from this very abstract classic to, I'm going to call it modern and hyper-realistic mm-hmm. um because i think that's what's what's kind of like you know if you follow chef amari let's let's be honest let's use him as an example he also has a transition in his work which is something he talks about not on the show that you see as a viewer but something that he talked about to us as you know being there was if you look at his work from the very beginning it was a lot of architecture so you have a lot of like tables chairs uh and the like and then you fast forward to what he does now and it is that again hyper realistic where you're sculpting uh giraffes or alligators uh but i'm seeing now like the other day he posted his chocolate safe um so it's like i think it's come to a point where he might also be going through this additional change where it's no longer just uh hyper realism but it's also now functionality because mm-hmm. if you look at that if you look at that post look at that uh, safe box it actually does have the mechanism to lock itself, which is, let's be honest, fucking insane. It is pretty um, fucking awesome. Right? 
but so back to at least for myself, I think when it when it came to the show, I think the best way to see or kind of like um, analyze this is episode one was or the first showpiece was the windmill at least for my team the second showpiece round was the elephant and funny enough i think tyresha or amanda were supposed to do the elephant head but i think it it it, it was at a point where it was like no one wanted to kind of do it uh or we just didn't know where to start that i was like you know what i've done some sculpting before let me go at it and when you look at the elephant it's pretty cool like again like you could always refine it and sort, but um, in the moment, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that was what gave me the personal confidence to continue, which ultimately led to the chameleon, which is, I think, a fan favorite. Um, one that no one really see- saw because it was an episode that was cut was a lion's head, and then which ultimately led to the dinosaur head at the last uh, last challenge. So I think that's when you, re- that's kind of the progression of my style from, again, abstract um again traditional to this hyper realistic sculptingness right i mean that's an amazing journey to take i was once given an offer to be on food network spring baking competition but i turned it oh, down like a coward I, I, i'll tell you now though i like when when the people dm'd me on instagram i wasn't like oh my gosh it's fake oh my gosh what is this it's because again going back to instagram instagram is your portfolio so I've gone through those interviews before with Food Network. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be honest, though. I think Food Network is is waning in its popularity, right? I I think a good example is there is this other CIA student who graduated. I knew him before CIA, but he graduated, I think, a year after me. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather, yeah, a year after me. Or he only graduated AOS. So he, he technically graduated earlier for me, whichever one. But he actually was recently on Halloween Wars this past season. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, because Food Network is such a smaller audience now, let's be honest, it's very niche. It's very, um, I'm going to say old school. I'll put it like that. Yeah. He was not able to really reap the benefits of, let's say, compared to myself being on Netflix and with Chef Amari, which is much more current. And I'll be honest, like a wider uh platform um so by all means like yeah, i think it's still cool to let's say do a show on food network but from what tiago which is he's another one of the guys from the school of chocolate he's been on about seven shows many of which were from food network he said that unfortunately a lot of those shows are those are the ones that are pre-scripted or predetermined, uh which kind of sucks yeah mm. um what the don't mind me i'm just trying to think of things that's okay <laughs> i'm probably just Again, like I, I was gonna say like you know if i'm talking too much you tell me because i can just talk 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 so <laughs> oh, don't worry, whatever so question whatever question you may have technical or not uh we, we can definitely go through it thanks uh i'm good at talking i'm bad at thinking <laughs> <laughs> i guess Considering who you are as a person and as well as your heritage, what's an ingredient that means a lot to you that you enjoy working with? Mm, I think right now it's very much ube. Let's be honest. Like, uh, it's, I think ube has become or has gone onto the mainstream. But And yet, even so, there are still people who I meet at you know, my pop-ups or my store. And people are like, what is that? 
And then it's like, oh my gosh, how do you not know, right? Mm-hmm. But again, for anyone who, who's listening and doesn't know, ube is purple yam. Uh, it is a common ingredient used in Filipino uh, and Asian cuisine at this point for desserts. Um, it is an actual yam. Uh, so what it actually gives to a recipe is texture. But if you're actually having ube as a flavor, let's be honest, it's not the real yam. Um, yeah, I, I usually say that it's much more, it is this, the flavor of it is much more, is a much more fragrant vanilla, which I think is a, it's not exactly it, but it's a good, you know, indicator. So people are not as, so are, aren't as scared to try it. And it's only when they finally try it do they understand what ube tastes like. And it's honestly not that weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's one that speaks to me. Um, but yeah. Nice. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to happen a lot. I'm just going to end up cutting a lot of these little bits where I curse out. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I think about like, you know, I so I'm, I, I'm pretty, uh, I usually watch YouTube, let's be honest. Um, I used to, I used to watch a lot of like the game theorists and like their whole like food theory and all that stuff. And whenever they do Let's Plays, they do it live, right? Or they used to anyway. And whenever I used to watch any of those live videos, they always made that joke where like, you know, they're having to go through this really hard section, having to do it like a dozen, 20 times, whatever. And then they joke about how like Markiplier or Jacksepticeye, all these other YouTubers are able to do it in one take. And they're like, that's because they cut out a lot of the stuff. So it's like, you know, that's the only way to be a content creator at times. Is like, you can't do everything live or else no one's actually going to watch through everything. Definitely. Plus, God, there's some episodes of this show that would be an hour, like at least an I'm, hour long if I hadn't cut out some stupid shit. <laughs> I'm dead. Um, but yeah, I, ooh, very quickly, I guess, like since I brought up YouTube, YouTube is also going to die soon that's gonna, oh, as a whole. Um, so I always talk about like, I, or rather people are like, why don't you go on YouTube? Why don't you go on YouTube? And I'm like, no, because at this point, YouTube is getting to a point where it's oversaturated and mm-hmm. it's also dying. So there's no point in actually investing in going onto it when you're going to compete with hundreds, if not thousands of people only for you to fail on the platform. Definitely. I recently saw someone get their content claimed by apparently themselves, which that don't know how that works. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I've never seen that, and that's interesting. Yeah, it definitely is uh, malfunctioning as a platform, so that's definitely mm. fun. Yeah. I think, like, as a whole, though, when it comes to, like, let's be honest, like, I'm not sure if you want to open up a business anytime soon. I know Jesse, since we spoke about him, he wants to open something soon, or, like, down the line. And I get, I'm sure, like, people, your viewers might be younger, you know, food people who want to open something up like it's I'll be honest like at this point creating and making the food is no longer hard it is at a point where it's running the business you know doing the spreadsheets doing the costing doing the permit stuff as well as being the content creator and the marketing person that's what's actually harder now so it's like the word content let's take for example and the word analytics are two words I had never said in my life up until about maybe a year, year and a half ago. And I've said it more in the past, let's say, year than I ever will most likely in my life. Because as, as again, as creatives, you know, we are honestly content creators, 
But then as a business, analytics, honestly, is something we live and die by. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's uh, become a, a weird new fear of, huh, I hope this appeals to the right amount of people rather than I'm going to make this because I like it. Gosh, it's hard because like, but then it's, it's hard because like sometimes there are still videos that you like to just do or posts that you like to just make and it, they do well. You know what I mean? So there's this like, you never know what's actually going to hit or what's not. Um, but that's why like I work with a lot of Filipino or, you know, I sell with a lot of Filipino brands at this point are small businesses because of like the pops that I do, uh, the community that I'm part of. And the one that I actually like, there's a Filipino um, food kind of like stall at my location or in the market that I'm at. And, she, you know, she's on the you know, middle age. She has a family. She's a mom. So I'm usually the one that also like kind of like breaks down the analytics for her as well. It's like, oh, you can do this. You can take a look at when you lost followers, when you gained followers, what posts did well and so on and so forth. But it's like, if you're able, if any, any business or any creative, if you're able to figure out how Instagram or TikTok works, then it really gives you the leg up um, <clears throat> to succeed on the platform and succeed as a business. Definitely. Sorry, I'm just uh, checking the time because I know that Zoom for free accounts only was like 40 minutes of recording and then it's like, get off, shoe. Yeah, we still have 10 minutes then, I think, if that's the case. I did start this five minutes early because I'm a little dumb and nervous. Mm, that's <laughs> I should okay. I should have been nervous. You're a chill guy. <laughs> and I think it's funny because everyone, even today, someone was like, I'm kind of starstruck. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll be honest. I'm real. I, I'll just talk um so like it's you know it's pretty you know very casual definitely um hmm. i had a thought and it disappeared wow the, <laughs> the gifts of adhd <laughs> oh yeah um i wasn't not expecting a text back from you today so i had i was planning to do a solo episode um just analyzing korean culture in fred you know the fred movies mm-hmm uh, you know Fred too. Yes. So I was going to do an entire um, audio essay analyzing Korean culture in Fred too. I mean, look, by all, look, at this point, Fred, Fred as a brand is dead. But I think you still hit a very nostalgic um, subset of people who grew up in the '90s. Let's say that like remember him and his and that voice. I'm like, I'm hearing it right now. Um, and to think that started from iCarly, right? I think that's where he first showed up or uh, one of those. I think, I think he was, was a YouTuber, yeah. right? And he then probably... he just, and then he just like got on or was invited onto iCarly or one of those other shows. And just that's, that Nickelodeon was like, cool, let's make a movie out of this. They're still bad. I found that out the hard way. They're <laughs> still bad. <laughs> I'm sure it's like, as you like, middle schoolers or high schoolers depending on how old people are here like watch that and was like this is so funny and it's like it's really not oh, yeah definitely not yeah. i think i was like 11 when it came out and i am 22 mm. now so going back in time to 2011 was interesting oh my god definitely <laughs> and it's it's funny how time has gone i think pandemic has definitely uh exacerbated kind of like how time flies 
because let's be honest, it's 20, it's August, yeah, but it's like, August just started, but it's kind of over. And same with the year, where it's like, it started yesterday, and yet we're already in December, most likely. Watch. Yeah, God. The passage of time is horrifying, so I'm trying to become and stay relevant. <laughs> God, that's horrifying to think about. Okay, existentialism aside. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, nice. I got a little timer that popped up that said meeting time remaining. Eight minutes. Great. Thanks, Okay, Sam. see, we have... No, that's good. We have eight minutes then. Hell yeah. You know what? Fuck it. What's something that you always want to talk about with your thoughts toward food or just anything in general? Just go for it, man. Ooh, food. Okay, I mean, like, I think I'll still keep it topical, right? Sure. Um, I think something that I talk to a lot of uh, recent or rather CIA grads around my time as well as like within spitting uh, time if you will is we are let's, on, let's be honest the next generation of managers uh, chefs sous chefs and the like business owners and one of my biggest one of my, my fewest concerns actually uh, I say biggest because it used to be but one of the few concerns I have is the Kind of the pool of talent um, that we that we'll be hiring. Um, I'm very glad that let's take let's take for example our alma mater uh, has widened the ability to come to the school, um, but I don't think they have the same rigor uh, as we may have had. Uh, one of the few chefs that I had um, for individual production pastry, she was one of the toughest chefs that I had. Um, there but she whipped us into shape and though half my class hated her I very much appreciated her because she was at you know my first my extern and my first restaurant job was at the modern which is a two Michelin star restaurant and I cannot I cannot imagine surviving or having had survived uh, that restaurant had it not been through her kind of like strictness so I'm not sure if that same like I said rigor is still there at the moment and with that said, again, as the next generation of people who will be hiring, it is, it is definitely something in the back of my mind where, again, the, the number of people in the pool that are qualified, let's say, um, you know, is, it may, may or may not be as high it once was. Um, anyone who wants to work for me, I've already told them that one of the first things I'm going to test them on, you know, it isn't a make or break, but I'm going to have, I'm going to give them a bowl of chocolate and they're gonna have 10 minutes to properly temper it. And if they can't do that by hand, you know, it's one of the like, kind of like telltale signs where it's like, this is such a fundamental skill for what my business or what my craft is, that if it's something that you struggle on, it is, it's gonna be something that is, you know, telling about how you are going to be, uh, you know, within my team. So it may sound harsh, but it's come to a point where it's like, there are so many people, which is great, but that also means that we as hiring managers also now have to be even more selective with who we bring onto our team. That's understandable. You are pulling a grueling though. I mean, okay, so he never did that in my class. I don't know if that's just a newer thing, but hmm. like, he didn't do that for us, which is, which I, I was like, when people told me that, I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like 
it, it's fun, especially like if you're in the food industry, but I think there's also a small subset of students right now who are banking on becoming influencers or food creatives and such. But, oh man, I think, again, I bring Jesse up again, but there was one thing that Chef Amato during his demo said that really stuck with me. And it was, you know, when uh, someone has paid their dues. And I think that's the greatest way to uh, like kind of like bookend my concern is that when you find people who have worked in the industry and worked uh, and done, like I said, done their dues, you know, they've done the work to be able to create what they create or to have the opportunities that are given to them. I think that's a great way of seeing it is if you believe that you've paid your dues, then go for it, go for the next promotion, go for the next job, uh, open up a business. But if you, if there's even a part of you that thinks that you have not properly paid your dues, then take a second, stay in your position, maybe for a little bit longer, or even just talk to your chef, right? And see if they believe that you've also gotten to the point where, you know, you could potentially be uh, promoted or whatever. So I think that's just, you know, like I said, one of my few concerns or one of my few thoughts that I think about when it comes to, uh, to food or the food industry as a whole now. All right. Thank you. I'm saying the same thing as I said before, but that's also incredibly insightful. I've never actually thought about it that way before. Am I? <laughs> like I said, I think once once you get to a point that you are a business owner, right, or again that hiring manager, these especially as a business owner, I think that's when you really start thinking about social media, uh, hiring, and all these things in a different way than let's say you would when we were back in school making, you know janky business plans yeah 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 cia has become a weird place i will agree to that at least yeah just the the weirdest people are there now (laughs) i i'm not sure if you were around for the carnival of 2019 but that was a disaster I don't think I was. So I graduated July 2019, which funny enough was three years ago last week. Wow. Um, I don't know or remember if that was a thing. I'll be honest, despite being like a tour guide and like doing all these things on campus, I was not really active with campus life because I was like, this is a weird cultish thing that I'm not going to do. So whenever I luckily had a car on campus. So whenever I could leave, I left because I was like, this is not it for me. That is completely understandable. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, they had just live fish as prizes. We live in dorms. Oh my God. The school, like, like you said, the school is interesting. I think that's the best way to describe it without offending or saying anything too much. Understandable. Oh, and we're (laughs) almost at time because Zoom sucks. But uh, is there anything you'd like to plug in the next 30 seconds? Yeah, so clearly I just opened up my own place. It's at Canal Street Market. It's Daniel Corpus Struggles here. Best way to find me is on Instagram, which is at Daniel Corpus. Keep up with my work, keep up with what I do, where I'm at, all that, uh, through that. All right. I'll be linked in the description below. Thank you once again for joining me on this episode of Using My Degree. Next episode will probably be that Fred essay I mentioned earlier. (laughs) Cool. Thank you for having me.
course. Thank you for being a guest. And if you would ever like to come back, just let me know.